Well, it's cool to welcome two distinguished English professors from Michigan State University's College of Arts and Letters to MSU today to talk about their work and how it impacts society. Jeff Ray is a professor of film studies in the English department, and Julian Chambliss, great to welcome you both to MSU today. Give us a little <laughs> bit of background on yourselves and what you teach. Julian, why don't you start? Oh, yeah, I'm I'm professor of, uh, of English, although my degree, actually my degree is in history. Um, I, I teach uh, comics studies here at MSU, uh, also digital humanities. I'm a core faculty and a big mouthful of the Consortium for Critical Diversity in a Digital Age Research, which goes by CEDAR, which is a research collaborative that seeks to think about ways that identity uh, shape our digital, our digital life. Um, and so I teach classes that are primarily about comics and, uh, and about popular culture uh, and, and techno culture. I'm actually teaching a class right now that's basically about techno culture. So, and, cool. then, and I'm also a curator at the, the Val Behrman Curator at the MSU Museum. Awesome. Jeff, how about you? Well, I'm a professor in film studies, and my degree is actually in film. And, um, so. Uh, Congratulations. <laughs> thank you, <laughs> Professor. Um, so I teach, um, I teach kind of the full range of film. So I teach filmmaking. I teach screenwriting. Um, I teach studies classes uh, such as black cinema and gay cinema and things like that. And um, I have wonderful students, core faculty in the film studies area within the English department. And, um, yeah, so uh, it's, Michigan State's been a, a good place, and we've been building film here during my time here. And so uh, it's, it's been very good. Yeah. Well, before we talk a little bit more about your research, uh, it's no secret this has been a challenging year for racial tension on campus at MSU, the incident at, at the Wharton Center. Uh, how are you processing it personally? How are students you engage with responding to it? And are you addressing it in classes? Maybe, Jeff, why don't you start? It is. It has been a challenging year, but in some ways um, it's been a kind of a typical year in that um, these things continually happen. And it's not just at MSU. Um, and I find that I, uh, I have to address it in class because my students are concerned about it, and uh, and I'm concerned about it as well. But when when my students are raising it, you know, on the tail of these various incidents, oftentimes what we what we're going to do in class that day goes out the window, and so um, it's like, okay, let's let's talk about this. Let's let's kind of deal with this. Um, and so and I've I've always been a proponent of like. <laughs> kind of like students are people too, you know, I, in the sense that um, um, that that they are full human beings and and young and developing and asking questions and things like that. And I feel like that in the classroom is one of the best places because you you build personal relationships with students and groups of students and things like that. And so, you know, you have that um, that always comes up. It's reflected in their work. In a lot of the work, the the films that my students are making, I think that for for me, some of the content of the courses I'm teaching right now sort of intersect with these questions, and so we sometimes we're talking about them directly, but sometimes we're talking about them indirectly. So it's a way for them to sort of process. And I'm a, 
I'm always um, mindful of the fact that for, from the student's perspective, from students of color perspective especially, this isn't necessarily a, a shock. Like it's not necessarily like, oh, I can't imagine how this happened. Like they can totally imagine how it happened. Um, but I, it, I often try to think about this in, in the context of one of the reasons that we're having these discussions is, is a sort of reflection of growth because they would not have had this moment of um, sort of conflict, except that not just simply students of color, but other people recognize like, you know, actually this is wrong. And the, the struggle I think for the institution is to think through how they're going to respond to the real concerns that students of color have and making a culture where like students of color don't have to worry about constantly being on guard around these sort of thoughtless, insensitive, sort of hurtful uh, actions. And also build the capacity, I think, for for uh, white students to be able to to recognize why something like this happens and, and create a new set of patterns of behavior, right? So it's, it's really interesting, I think, for us as educators to be be trying to create a space where like those conversations can happen and and people black and white students feel okay about talking about this i often say this in class like you know we're all here to learn um and we're trying to build the capacity to be better people right to have the kind of society that we say that we want and that's i think that's something that you know is is the benefit of being at a school I'm talking with MSU English professors, Julian Chambliss and Jeff Ray. We'll leave it at that. Uh, it's, it's February is Black History Month. Let's talk a little bit about how you each explore it in your own way. And Julian, why don't you start this time? Well, you know, um, it's, it's, it's interesting because you know, Black History Month, every month is Black History Month to me. So um, <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a sort of branding problem in my mind when it comes to Black well History said. Month. What I, I, I what I think of when I think about Black History Month in, in terms of teaching and learning, it really becomes a, a moment for public sort of engagement around um the legacies of people of color, African American people, uh in the United States. Uh I, I, I do think of this as a challenge sometimes because uh in Black History Month there's a a desire on the part of the public to sort of like acknowledge these black figures that the mainstream has sort of said like, well, these people are cool. Um, and they often do so in a, in a way that ignores the actual um, texture of their historical experience, right? Like, so Martin Luther King was not a very popular man when he was alive. Like uh, he was very, very not popular man when he was alive. And in fact, I talked about this in class a couple of days ago because I was, I, I was talking to them about how, um, questions of uh, the Cold War really shaped how certain sort of public figures and policy were created. And right, one of the critiques leveled against uh, civil rights leaders was that they were all communists because like everybody who's bad is a communist. And, and so therefore Martin Luther King, who, you know, is advocating for, for social justice and civil rights and work guarantees and against the Vietnam War, all of which made him a communist in the minds of a lot of people, was not a very popular man. And we forget that, and, and they, we've created a kind of version of Martin Luther King that didn't disrupt anything, right? And makes it seem like everyone was okay 
with what he was asking for. And so there, there's a there's always a, a burden, I think, for me personally, when you think about uh, Black History Month, to tell the, the story of the United States from the ground up in a way that's more holistic and realistic um, and gets past that sort of like racial mythology that I, I sometimes associate with the month. Like Julian, I'm a bit conflicted about it um, because, you know, again, every month is Black History Month <laughs> and Black History is American history. Right, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, if anything, um, the, the the kind of, <laughs> the kind of branding of it or or gives an opportunity um to um highlight some things and delve deeply into do a little bit of myth busting do a little bit of interrogation of nation building um do a bit of relating you know the continuous uh kind of arguments we're having today as Julian raised about, you know, so-called communism and socialism, you know, it's, it's, it's just a strong thread right. uh, throughout American history. And, you know, you see that reflected um, oftentimes in the media, like um, in some of my classes, we'll take a look at uh, something from something from the past, maybe in the 60s or 50s, and then we'll, 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 we'll counter that with something from the very present and it's not oftentimes it's not very much of a counter (laughs) you know you see the thread that connects these two things and so i mean i think that's the opportunity that that um that you know the emphasis on black history month um presents but but you know i think that a lot of folks are are very conflicted about it um uh, some of my colleagues years ago, we used to joke that um, uh, it should be called Black Employment Month because so many right. of us got <laughs> so many of us got invited yeah. to give talks and show films and do things and right. that kind of thing. Um, it's the busy season. It's the busy season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, but you know, it's it's interesting just to take a look at the whole concept from the very beginning of a Negro History Black History right. Month, all that kind of stuff. So, so it is an opportunity to, to kind of um, do more than raise some consciousness or talk about, you know, the first, you know, that kind of first thing that happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I hope it will continue to evolve, and and I think that's what some of us are constantly doing. We're trying to like force it in some ways to evolve into this into this other broader year-long right and 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 part of how you're you're both doing that you have creative approaches to teaching and telling stories of Mm -hmm. black history right american history can you talk about the importance of using different types of media to explore it jeff well um yeah i i think that you um you know in my kind of career as a filmmaker and and career teaching uh it's been pretty amazing because uh, when I first started, it seemed like, you know, I must sound like a really old man here. It seemed like such a simpler time, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, but, but now I think a big part of, of film and media is um, simply kind of teaching a kind of reading or awareness um, because so much is coming at you. So much is coming at you, um, not only in terms of film, but in terms of news, in terms of social media, and these things are are, are constant. 
Um, and so on the one hand, you know, my students are using these tools. And, and I think sometimes my job is, of course, to embrace the tools, but also kind of direct my students to consider other ways. And they may reject those other ways, mm-hmm. but, but I think part of my job is to, is to do that and to say, okay, let's, let's take a look at this. Let's, let's, um, let's try to understand what is the text and the subtext and what are you making here? You know, what are, what are you doing as a filmmaker? And so the great thing about teaching in that realm is that I'll typically have a student, some students I'll have over the four-year period. And there's, there's often a moment when I see the light bulb go off. And that, you know, just in terms of teaching, it's like, yeah. great. It feels like, Gold. Ah, I got one today. <laughs> Gold star. <laughs> you know. And so, you know, we look forward to that. And it's, it's, it's wonderful to engage with students in that way. And, Julian, what about you and the ways you like to engage with different media? Well, you know, I think about that in particular related to comics. Um, and, you know, comics are a cognitively uh complex medium for students and like like Jeff actually often spend a lot of time talking to them about how to read a comic like the idea of reading because um, a lot of students actually have a lot of anxiety about reading a comic um, because they've never really read them before and um, the way comics handle time the way comics handle space the way comics handle um, question of identity are really really interesting uh, because they have such a long legacy you have the opportunity to explore lots of different kinds of issues. Like last semester, I taught a class that was readings in popular lit, but the class was basically black comics, right? It was it was depictions of blackness in comics, and that allowed us to go from late nineteenth century illustrated political matter that's quite racist in its depiction of people of all colors, right? Like you, you, <laughs> at some level. Uh, Everyone is hated at some point in American history, unless you're like an Anglo-Saxon, mm-hmm. uh, like German, white. Those people, okay, most of the time. Uh, but <laughs> anybody else, you got a problem at some point. Right? I mean, I can, I, uh, and so at some level, trying to understand the nature of that, that hate um, and understand the evolution, um, not, not simply of people of color, but actually the evolution of whiteness as a concept. Right, like a lot of identity is built in the United States, in particular, in juxtaposition against people of color, right. because of the marginalization associated with with blackness, things like that. Uh, and so, when in comics, you know, the the nature of the medium as a catalog, a visual catalog of the of the American experience, you get to see it and you get to investigate it. Like, and so, like a critical reading of illustrated material is very important, and it transfers over to other things. Because I also try to do digital things, their critical making around the material, like the creation of collections or the creation of like physical objects that are intended to be like these sort of critical creative investigations of an idea, those are those are ways that force students to sort of think through the implications of, of, of media. And if I can just kind of add just a, a one little point here. So w- when I teach a film like Birth of a Nation. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> Which is the most racist film ever. <laughs> uh, and, and I say to my students before and set them up, but but I say to my students before the film um, that this is the most racist film ever, and it's a really good film. 
you know? And then after we watch it, they're all looking at me sideways, students of color, white students. Like, and you know, the question is always, why did you show us this? Right. This is awful. Why did you show us this? And I kind of sit back at first and take the slings and arrows. And then we deconstruct it because it's a very important film in terms of how race is presented in American history. You know, it lays the groundwork for for all these terrible racist films and kind of lighter racist films and, and films that have race as a subtext all the way up until then we'll take a look at a film like The Joker from right now. Wow. And we'll investigate that film as far as how it takes on, presents race and all of that kind of stuff. And every now and then I'll get a student that will thank me <laughs> for helping them see that. But other, but it's, it's a tough, you know, sometimes these are really tough discussions. And, and I think that's what we kind of relish sometimes is to have these tough, I'm looking at Julian, and he's like, no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thinking about it because I, too, show perfumination. Yeah. Um, and I have a whole a whole thing where I have to prepare them because yes. I want to show perfumination. Yeah. I'm not even going to show the whole thing because perfumination is like three hours long. And so I show the whole thing, man. Oh, my God. I put them all in. No wonder they like want to throw something at you. <laughs> Oh, I've never. Oh my God! Oh, All right, you, you yeah, have you, way you teaching you, over there. You, you, okay, um, because it's it's so important, but it also operates at at this multiple um, at these multiple levels because I, I always start by telling them about the emergence of a kind of um, racial imaginary around. Uh, White Southerners in the Lost Cause, right? And 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 the the birth of nation is based on a novel called The Klansman, the Klansman right. which is which is which is subtitled A Romantic Story of the Ku Klux Klan, which you will never hear <laughs> in any context. No one has ever put romantic and the Ku Klux Klan together. And so the cover of that book, I'm like, who, when? And, but it's all about like the context. They it's knew all they knew about the context. Yeah, the it's all was. about the context. So at that moment, what the Ku Klux Klan represented, a group so violent that the founder, who was an incredibly violent man, left. Right? You know, people forget like, you know, um, uh, Forrest. Yeah. You know, the Civil War General, he, fell, he founded the Ku Klux Klan, then he left because it was too violent. Like, so it's a really complicated artifact yeah. of decades leading to it. Right. It's the first film shown in the White House, right. which, which... And was endorsed by President was Wilson. Was endorsed by President Wilson, who's a historian to my great shame. Like, we, we, like, we want to like, cross him off the historian uh, list. Uh, and so it's a way for us to think about how mediated narratives both coalesce trends mm -hmm. in America, mm -hmm. but also become this sort of wellspring, as you right. talked about, of all these tropes around. Because everything in the birth of a nation gets replicated because it over is this epic, epic film, and right? Still like, it's really the most popular film in, right. in American history, right? Yeah. If you if you do the 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 box office and you take account yeah. inflation, birth of a nation it is, is it's still huge. And and then the other one, which I also you know, God forbid, God forbid, I also show a little bit of um, Gone with the Wind, which is another film. I'm like, oh God. 
But that too would be like mm-hmm. like number two yeah. or number one. Like yeah. Bourbon Nation and, and Gone with the Wind are like the most successful. Yeah. Frankly, films. Julian. Yeah. I'm yes, enjoying sir. a conversation with MSU English <laughs> professors Jeff Ray and Julian Chambliss, who you just heard talking on MSU today. And, you know, you, you started to, to say it, both of you, but tell me a little bit more about how the students are reacting. You do have students from all backgrounds, cultures, and, and races. What do you kind of hope they take from this different approach? I just said to my wife this morning, um, she was telling me a story about a student and a certain kind of engagement around a topic. And... Uh, and I said to her as she walked out the car door this morning, I said, well, you know, teaching in some ways keeps us current. I think I said I, it keeps us hip. And she said, no, you are not hip. Uh, but I said, okay, <laughs> it keeps us current. And because that's a part of the role. You do I, have yeah, to. I hear you. You have to kind of understand, you, you fully have to understand where folks are coming from, both individually and culture-wise and generation-wise. And that's constantly a part of the learning experience. That is constantly a part of the exchange, you know. Um, And so, you know, the students are responding. It's interesting because I think students respond in the same way a lot of folks. They have a lot of information, and sometimes that's a great thing, and sometimes they don't quite know what to do with it. Mm. Right. You know, and so part of our teaching thing and learning for us as professors as well is that kind of engagement. So sometimes we dive into stuff, and then um, my kind of joy in teaching is let's dive in and see what happens. Let's dive in and and see where this takes us, you know. And sometimes it rarely ends in agreement. It oftentimes ends in, you know, really good discussion, sometimes fights, as I call them. I I love a good classroom kind of fight where everyone gets, you know, kind of their dynamic and and states their case and offers their evidence and those kinds of things. So it it, it really is, you know, that thing of critical thinking. And, you know, again, when a student says to me, you know, I never thought about it that way. I'm like, okay, we got you. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) Julian, how about you? I ask students a lot of questions. And I often try to use those questions uh, as a prompt for discussion. So I'll, we'll be reading about something, you know, you know sort of collect questions um, before class or, or during class. And it's a way for for me to sort of see where they are, but also a way for sometimes to connect their questions to like broader patterns of, of questions. Because one of the things that I'm super, super interested in, in terms of the things that I teach is, is this sort of like knowledge integration, right? Like how do you bring like a kind of understanding of a sort of geopolitical or social process or practice or structure into your reading of like this, this media. And I, and I think one thing that students often do is, they're not they're not often asked to to be the critical consumer right, right? they're all they're just, they just consume and um they have so much that they have choice fatigue which i talked about like choice fatigue like you have to make a choice about what you're you're looking at and and sometimes sort of the technical or structural form funnels you to a place that you may not necessarily want to go like we'll we'll talk about the algorithmic them versus the real them because they're all on a social media platform and they all have algorithms that feed them stuff. And is that really you? 
and they kind of know that it's not them. Like they'll talk about, and increasingly a lot of students will talk about like, I'm not on anything. And so therefore I'm free of this. And I'm like, well, I hate to break it to you, but <laughs> like, like, I don't think you understand exactly how technology works. So if somebody's on it, if you know them, you're on it too. Uh, but they do increasingly have a kind of anxiety around this. And so they're trying to figure it out. And so we're having these discussions in class to help them figure it out. Well, there are a lot of people who only consider books and writing papers as a way to teach and learn, particularly in English classes traditionally. What would you say to people who might not take hip-hop culture, music, film, and comics as seriously as 400-page books? (laughs) Well, I I think um, on the one hand, if I can kind of give a plug to our English department, Um, I I think I often say we are not your parents' English department. Um, But in the popular imagination um, that, you know, we, I mean, there's a thought about English departments as being like classic and old and white and male. And, and, you know, I mean, we we are actively trying to fight against that. Um, And the, the other thing is like, the imagined English department out there is so much different than the world in which, you know, folks in English and students in English occupy because our current world is books and films and comics and hip hop. You may not want it to be that, but that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And so we have to, we have to in some ways respond to what is, uh, you know, we, we, we can't be, I guess, cultural Luddites in that way, you know, just in terms of like, oh, I am not even engaging in hip hop. Uh, you know, hip hop is here. Hip hop has been here. Hip hop is critical to social, cultural, racial, gender dynamics, you know, and film in in all of its form and media is the same thing. And so we, we just we just cannot afford to ignore that as part of our educational mission i would say well said jeff julian i mean i would ask that person what is a text uh and then i would ask them what is popular and then they would you know say you know what's a serious text and they would say shakespeare and i'm like well you know he was really a popular author uh and the reality is when we start talking about media that's being produced today time will make it into classics be it hip-hop or comics or or film and its value as a text that tells us about ourselves will not be questioned and popular popular culture is the place where culture is is defined for so many people they are not necessarily reading the most esoteric book on the self that's come out they're reading something that's written by someone that a lot more popular in, in their, in their aim, like a general audience. And, and they're using that as, as a, as a, as a gauge for things that are important to them. And, and so we have to be teaching our students and thinking to ourselves about what does that mean? So the texts are still the texts and popular is still at the heart of the worldview that the everyday person is creating, right? Like they're living in every day. And so, you know, as a department, I always think that we're a four quadrant department 
meaning that there's people doing things that's very defined subfields, but we're in conversations together mm-hmm. about culture, about the world, and then that's what you get when you're in the department. Julian and Jeff, as we close, I've got you warmed up. Just any final thoughts on, on anything we've talked about? Well, you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't put a plug into um, the MSU Comics Forum, which is our annual Please research do. event. Um, that happens uh, February 21st and February 22nd at the MSU Library. Um, we will feature a keynote artist, Emil Ferris, who wrote, uh, who created My Favorite Thing is Monsters, and a keynote scholar, Nick Susanis, who uh, one of the first people ever to create a dissertation as a graphic novel. And his book is called Enflattening from Harvard University Press. And there'll, of course, be a number of scholars from around the country who will be coming to MSU to talk about comics in a critical way. But it'll also be an artist alley. It'll be great for kids on that Saturday. And we're going to be talking about research practices for the first time in these sort of research roundtables. We'll talk about comics in the archive, comics in digital humanities, and comics in translation, which is a really important part and subfield of comics conversation. So... If you're a fan of comics and you want to learn more about people who study comics, people who make comics, and how comics are a sort of cultural artifact, a cultural form, um, definitely come to the MSU Comics Forum February 21st and February 22nd at MSU Library. Here, here. Jeff, final thoughts? or don't, There um, don't have to be, but... Well, I would just add that one of the continuous things that we have going in film studies is the Film Collective, which is... Uh, B-122 Wells on campus, and it is open to students, faculty, staff, community. Um, And the thing that we try to recreate there is a little bit of the old kind of cinematic cafe, the cinematech kind of vibe, where we see films that maybe folks wouldn't typically see. uh, And we talk about film, or we'll see popular films and have discussions, and so folks can see them in different ways. And so that's at Thursdays at 7 p.m. there. And I would put in a personal plug, my new film, Songs from My Right Side, is playing in Los Angeles. So go on. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Catch the red eye. (laughs) In February. And, uh, you know, so just just check that out. Look that up. That's awesome. Well, thank you both for a fun conversation today. Thank you. Thank you. I've been talking with Michigan State University English professors Julian Chambliss and Jeffrey. And Julian, you're on Twitter, right? At Julian Chambliss. And what's your podcast? Tell us. Uh, I have a couple of podcasts. One's Every Tongue's Got to Confess, which is a podcast associated with the Zora Neale Hurston Festival of Arts and Humanities. And my other podcast is called Reframing History, which is a conversation podcast about history, practice, and theory. So search for those wherever you get your podcasts. podcasts. And Jeff, how can people learn more about you and what you're up to? Uh, JazzyTamFilms.com. Jazzy Tam's film at, at Vimeo that has a lot of my work on it and what's coming up. Good. Thanks again, gentlemen. Thank you. I'm Russ White. This is MSU Today.